0: Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm John McGee, and I'm joined today in the studio by Todd Wagner, one of our campus shepherds, and for the first time ever, Luke Friesen, our director of operations. Welcome, brother. Thank you. Good to be here. This is
1: it? This is the inaugural? This is it. Come on, Luke. So Todd and I
0: said, actually, the topic today is firing. And uh, so Todd and I got together, and we would love to do like a, a live on air firing. And so that's why we. <laughs> ah, no, actually, that's not why. And actually, watermark
1: which, would take a hit <laughs> if that happened.
0: Uh, and that's actually it's not in our notes, but uh, don't ever joke about firing. Would be a point. It it, <laughs> uh, it it raises insecurity, and you know, you like don't tell your kids if they keep it up, you're going to send them off to boarding school, and don't tell uh, employees, hey, if you keep it up, you know, jokingly, you're going to be fired. And so, well, yeah, um,
1: I mean, but, I think especially. Right. When, when there's a little, I mean, if people know usually when there's truth in the teasing yeah. and, uh, I you know, I think the only time that teasing really works is when people know there's really no truth in the lockdown. And so that's why it was appropriate for you to do with Luke. I mean, really. And, uh, none of us are guaranteed that six months from now that teasing wouldn't have some truth in it. But I think Luke it wildly knows that that is the farthest thing from anything. That's we right. Think. He would be yes, if, he would be, if we would if we're going to lock someone up on our
0: team that would that wouldn't be uh, able to be drafted uh, or traded. It would be it would be Luke for sure. So I appreciate uh, it, guys. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, brother. Thanks. Okay, so Todd, it's kind of a I mean, it was really, it's an it's an interesting topic uh, talking about firing, uh, especially in the church context. We're supposed to be nice. We're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be kind and patient. Um, and yet sometimes I have to let people go. So you've been in this game a long time, and I think you've probably uh, had some of these conversations. So just as we start, why why do leaders need to think about firing? Uh, what's the payoff? What's the cost? What's what's in your head when you think about this
1: topic? Okay, so let's just set it up a little bit. I know we've done an episode on hiring, which Correct. should be listened to in conjunction with this one. Yep. And uh, it's worth maybe kind of um, seeding a little bit of this podcast by saying something about the hiring. I think other than having a personal abiding relationship with Jesus and living with um, appropriate moral character and uh, yieldedness to the spirit of God. Other than that, and being a faithful discoverer, developer, and deployer of your own individual gifts, the single most influential thing that you will do in an organization as a leader is, make, is to hire. Yep. So, um, and uh, since it's earth and we're not perfect, and even though we do all our due diligence in our hiring, um, uh, and sometimes we make mistakes, or sometimes we made good decisions that later turn into mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. the best decision. The second most important thing that you can do, and again, I'm I'm, I'm assuming that everybody understands. Um, that uh, discipleship is part of what I said first, right? The overall uh, making of disciples uh, out of a life of integrity where you can say to people, the things you've learned and received, heard and seen to me, practice these things, right? That's the most important thing you can do is be able to say Philippians 4.9. The second most important thing you can do is hire well, and it's necessary twin, which is yeah. uh, when somebody is not in their place of giftedness, help them transition to where they can be. Yeah. So... Um, your, your your question was a really really good one, John. When you um, just said, "Man, well, hey, we're a church, right? We're supposed to be nice and love everybody." Well, I agree, and um, you know we should be kind. And kind isn't nice. And when people sometimes say to you, "Hey, that's not loving for you to uh, push me where I don't want to go," sometimes it is. And I I think it's really important that people understand. And we talk about this a lot around here. I think we just talked about it in a recent podcast we did that. Um, we are a team. The Watermark staff is a team. Mm-hmm. It's a team of, um, of servant leaders. And um, to be a part of the team, you have to be a member of Watermark. Okay, and, um, and so Watermark is a family. Watermark, the church, is a family. And we love our team like family, but we have to be a team first. And you cannot say we're going to be ineffective as a team because we're committed to having family members on the team. We are committed to people on the team playing in the right position and doing the right job in the right way. And even when they can't play the right uh, position anymore, we still love them like family, but we're not going to let them keep playing the position just because they're yeah, family. That's right. That's right. Todd, when you look back kind of on your own journey, do you is is there one moment
0: you go uh, either I, I let someone go? And it was hard, but I'm so glad I did. Or I should have, and I didn't. Anything like stick out when you when you look back?
1: Well, nothing. The good news is, is nothing immediately runs the mile. Like that was such a no brainer, right? Uh, but I would tell you that I've never regretted uh, making careful, prayerful, courageous decisions. That's good. And and some of the most courageous decisions we ever have to make, or around these kind of transitions. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I, th- I like the way you framed it up.
0: Um, we have to be good. At hiring, that's one of the best levers any leader can pull on their team in their organization. Uh, But also, you know, the corollary uh, to that is we've got to be good at firing. So it's kind of like there's two muscles that a church leader has to. uh, to exhibit and a lot of times, you know, leaders, that's their uh you know, Luke is a he's incredibly strong in the in the weight room. He's pretty intimidating, you know, so Luke could be like if you skipped leg day, you know, um and you're great at the hiring piece but not good at the firing piece. That if that imagery helps you with a, you know, a giant upper body bodybuilder body with these little bird legs. Uh, some some leaders candidly aren't very good at this and uh, they yeah, need and to I, be good at
1: both. And I would you know, just, you know, as, as Luke gets ready to speak here, I'll just say this, as hard as it is to hire well, and it's really hard to hire well, yeah. right? By the way, that's the, that's the greatest value as a leader is that you can attract other top-notch quality leaders. I would tell you that that is my greatest contribution to Watermark mm-hmm. is that God has allowed me um, to recruit, attract, uh, maintain, Really, world class yeah. leaders around me. It, it it shocks me that people don't understand that that is the the you know, the magic is that we're yielded to God's word and the Spirit here. But there are a lot of ten talent people on staff, yeah. and I would say that that's been my greatest contribution to this local work. But as difficult as it is to hire well, John, um, more leaders are are worse at firing than hiring, yeah, and uh, and so that's why we're doing a podcast on it because this. is, is one of the leading areas of leadership failure. And so we hope that we're gonna help strengthen this muscle because the truth is uh, let me just use it in, a, in a, um, a a metaphor that I know that like my friends who coach in Division one and they will tell you that hey the, the what hurts you is not the athletes, that you don't recruit. In other words, what kills most programs, okay, um, is not that they're not Nick Saban to get all five-star athletes. What hurts you is it's not the scholarships you don't give. It's the scholarships you do give yep. to the wrong people. Yep. Hmm. Okay? And so I would say the same thing is true about hiring, yep. is that most people um, have have – at least, if not initially, but maybe five years, sometimes 15 years later, and there could have been 14 amazing years of productivity, I see more uh, faith communities fail. I see more leaders of organizations fail in their ability to remove, if you will, the scholarship privilege of work, and therefore their team isn't functioning well, then they do not recruiting the right people. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, if you had a name pop into mind,
0: as Todd said that, this is this is something you'd be thinking about, something you'd be pray, prayful about. And um, that might be an action step, is to kind of start having some of those conversations if you go, yeah, that's somebody we wouldn't hire today. Uh, they're on our team. I, as a leader, need to think about that. it um, would be a good conversation. Okay. So, guys, we've got a list of six mistakes that leaders often make when they're thinking about firing. And we're going to go through these here and, uh, and have, a, have a discussion. I think it'll be really helpful for our audience. So, uh, Luke, the first one of these um, mistakes that leaders often make is that they don't address issues early or they don't even address them at all. And so um, really anybody that I guess that would get technically fired at Watermark, uh, being that you are the director of operations, ultimately would, would kind of come up to you. So you've seen a lot of these uh, issues.
1: So what are your, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, so let's explain why Luke's here, right? So as director of operations, what we call, we don't like to use the term human resources around here, yep. right? So that's yep. a whole episode on that. Yep. But we just <laughs> I mean, people are your most valuable asset, right? And so the people that help us um, vet incoming employees and the people that then we make sure that we um, benefit from shared learnings in the past roll up underneath Luke's leadership. Yes. And so that's why Luke's yes. with us on the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. And
2: hiring and firing is not something that we abdicate to HR. This is a conversation that we have as a team, as leaders. We've never sent somebody to HR to go
1: get fired, ever. That's right. it's <laughs> that mistake be, make one. Make so right? much easier to do. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is why but, most people do it. That's yeah, right. just have that's your
2: right.
0: HR hatchet person deliver the bad news, but yeah. that's not how we go about it. Yeah, so Luke, talk about that. Just mistakes that leaders make about not addressing these issues. You know, either at all or uh, early enough.
2: Yeah, I mean, the worst way you could handle a performance issue is to do nothing and hope that it goes away, yeah. or just to live with it. And the right time to address an issue is right now. Uh, you know, in a healthy feedback culture, you know, the performance issues are going to be addressed in real time. You know, effective leader is not going to wait for an annual review or a quarterly touch point. Uh, when you see something, you should say something. Uh, the best scenario, I would say, as a leader is when you see an issue with someone's performance, you point it out to them while it's fresh. They acknowledge it. You both agree on the corrective action to take. They make the changes, and you keep moving.
1: Okay. You just got your gold right there. <laughs> yeah. And and th- and by the way, this is what makes the church leadership podcast amazing, is that we don't have guys that just show up and vamp, okay? And what you do when I'm on it. But other than you. Other yeah. than me. But what I'm what, what I would tell you is that the gold is about to come. All right. John McGee puts together, I mean, the bullet points, I just I'm I'm now looking at them before me, and this is gold. This is like graduate level gold. And then Luke, what he just did. Hit that, you know, back 30 second button and listen to what he just said three times. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. Okay. So, but I
2: will say this, this is a natural part of working with imperfect people. You shouldn't be afraid to have performance related conversations. I'm not expecting to be perfect. Nobody around this table is perfect. You're going to have these kinds of conversations. Uh, You know, there does come a time where this informal iterative process of just pointing out things as you see them ultimately doesn't result in the results you're looking for. And I would say at that point, it's time, or at least it can be time for something a little bit more structured. And this is where we use a tool that we call a performance improvement plan or a PIP. Uh, And it's really just a way to live out Proverbs 22, 3, which says the prudent see danger and hide themselves from it. The foolish keep going and pay the penalty. So when we put a performance improvement plan in front of somebody, we're saying there's danger. If you're prudent, you're going to hide yourself from it. If you keep going, here's the penalty that you're going to pay.
1: Uh, and so, as we think about these pitfalls, well, that's interesting. Yeah, go I'm going to get in that because it's, yeah. because the penalty is not just, and, and it's not that the person's going to get fired. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I I thought you were going to go the other way with that proverb, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm because let's just think about people who are listening to it. What I'm going to say to the leader is uh, the naive, the people who think things are going to get better that aren't addressed. Yeah, they continue the to say. proceed okay and um, and then they pay the penalty for it and the penalty is you have people out of their giftedness mm-hmm. operating in a way that's really poor stewardship for their life that you're going to be held accountable for accountable for so i think of it not like the penalty the person's going to get cuz they didn't do their job it's the penalty the organization is going to receive that's interesting and that you as a leader are going to suffer because you didn't do what god sovereignly charged you to do yeah
2: Good. i mean that cuts Good. both ways yeah. it really does to the leader and to the led Um, You know, if if it's helpful, practically speaking, there's usually four things that go into this PIP or this performance improvement process. You know, the first one is what are the specific performance issues? You know, is this a knowledge issue? Is this a style issue? Is this a character issue? Or as you've alluded to, Todd, is this a gifting issue? Um, So you want to just make sure that you're really clear on what expectations are being missed. The second thing is what corrective action needs to be taken. You know, are we training somebody out of a knowledge issue or maybe we've already given the training and they need to do a better job of applying it? Uh, are we addressing someone's work quality or relationships in chemistry or maybe their communication style? Uh, if it's a character issue, man, there might be some real shepherding involved in helping someone pursue recovery. And then probably the trickiest is a gifting issue. Uh, because these are tough if not impossible to correct for in a performance improvement mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. Yep. let's just pretend I'm the graphic designer for watermark Community Church <laughs> that would be a terrible terrible place for me you could put me on a pip all day I would still be the world's worst graphic designer uh, and so sometimes you can't solve for that and your only option is to either live with somebody underperforming or better yet find a better place for them to be which may be another job on staff or it might be a job off of staff uh, but those are the so that's the second thing the corrective action. And then the third thing is, what is the acceptable time horizon to see the needle move? Is this something that has to happen this week, this month, this quarter, this year? Just be really clear on when does a change need to take place? And then lastly, what will happen if we don't see the improvement we're looking for? Um, And this might be a firing. This is where you would want to be clear. If you have a sense going into it of, man, if this doesn't change, this is going to result in them losing their job. You need to put that on the performance improvement plan,
1: man. So I think one of the things that Luke said, I, I mean, that, that, I mean, that is just gold. Like yes. I said again, and that's, um, I, I think, it, just know this: it is a cardinal sin of leadership to surprise somebody on their annual review. Mm-hmm. Okay, now look, we do we have we got to see a, a church leaders uh, podcast on reviews? We've In talked, j- we've talked about
0: um, that. Repeatedly and about not surprising, it should be a, a bit of a non-event when you get there. Like everyone knows, yes, we've talked about all yeah. these kind of. Things. So, so yeah.
1: there's not an episode about, it, but it's buried in a lot of other episodes. Mm-hmm. And let's just, let's just ding it and ring it again here. Which is, just know this, guys. You, you when when you get to the end of a person's um, review, and by the way, most churches, too many churches, never review people. Mm-hmm. They never evaluate their folks, and they that's why it feels like it's a surprise. So you need to put into your annual. Um, rhythm, or maybe six-month rhythm of giving people Feedback that summarizes all the feedback they've heard over the last six months. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and that, but that point is really, really clear is that you should never surprise them yeah. at the six month mark. And so, not only is there a, a performance improvement plan, there is annual updates for like, hey, these are areas you're doing great, but these are areas you need to strengthen. And, and, um, you know, and, and these are weaknesses that we need to address. Yeah. And that's usually how we handle the weaknesses. We say, hey, what can you strengthen? And these are things that we celebrate. But that, that thing that Luke said, is if you you know, if you do your annual review and your annual review is a pip, then you need to seek forgiveness yep. as a leader. Yeah, that's right. That's the right. other
2: thing on surprises I would say is we share as a senior leadership team when somebody on our teams goes onto or off of a pip. And that's just really helpful because it again, it avoids surprises, but it also gets wisdom in the counsel of many so that we're not isolated in our thinking. And if it's just my preference on how somebody is not performing, I need to have that checked by other wise leaders. So we avoid surprises that
1: way. Okay. And this is where we got to also insert, and John, you tell me if this is the right place to do it, but because we are members of a body, right? We're So Watermark staff is a team, but we're part of a family. One of the things that we really encourage our employees who are members of our body to do is as they live in community, when they're put on a PIP, we want them to tell their community. Mm-hmm. Because people go, we're a church, what do you mean you're getting rid of him? We love him, everything's great about her. You know, why, why are you doing this? And they ought to see, we've been working for months to try and address the things that Luke just went through, and there is no surprises. And that our goal is to help them flourish or move to where they can so that they're not surprised. We have had instances where some people, be, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll pass that on to my community. And then it turns out the community was not as advised as yep. we thought, which is why a best practice is to say to that person, hey, because we're part of a body and we're not hiding this. And because we expect you to be sharing your life with your community. That's what we do as members of Watermark. Mm-hmm. If you were working at your law firm and you heard that you might lose your job, you'd probably be telling people, man, things aren't going great at work. Like, what do you mean? And so it should be no difference on a church staff. And so people in your community ought to know, hey, guys, I want you to see what I just heard from my friends that I work with. And this is the plan I've got. I need you guys to help me, or maybe even spare all of us time. Do you guys think it's time that I I start to initiate a transition? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? So this is really, really important, is that I think you've got to make sure your church is not surprised. And by church, it's the people that know the person that we're talking about that's in this PIP yep. is not surprised by where this may end up in said period of time that's appropriate. And so we have found again and again saying to that person, hey, we don't just want you to share it. Can you put us on an email yeah. that, hey, yep. I'd share this with my yep. group tonight, and if, and I've told them if they have questions right now at the beginning of this process... That they have access to you, and because we're a family church, uh, we do that. You might not do that if you're the office of you know Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Uh, you know they, 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 the, the <laughs> classic lawyer joke. Classic yes. lawyer joke. Yes. But but we we do it here at Watermark. We just we don't let yeah. people go on pips in isolation.
0: Yeah, and um, and so again because the tone of those are, it's redemptive in nature. Yeah, it's not a shaming, and so you're not you know you're not dragging this this person in front of their friends and trying to to shame them. It's a it's a redemptive move. And when it's done well, we've, and we've got some stories where it was amazing, where the where their small group stepped in and said, hey, "We want to be part of the solution here." And, uh, and we think we can help, and they have. And it's been, it's been really amazing. It's it's, you know, so that is our competitive advantage in the space is we have the entire body of Christ at our disposal as opposed to a law firm that only has HR. And so why would you not bring all of your assets to bear uh, in this? So, Luke, any other thoughts on this one? You know, we have seen the PIP go both ways.
2: Yeah. Sometimes it is the exact fork in the road that somebody needed. It is a reminder and an encouragement that they need to excel still more. They see it, it's a wake-up call, they hide themselves from the danger. And it's not a scarlet letter that somebody's been on a pip. We say this was a part of your journey, but you've made a change, and we're still really excited to be running together. And then we've also had people where after one, or in some cases, multiple performance improvement plans, we just haven't seen the lasting change that we need to see. And in those cases, that's why we're having a conversation about firing people. Having a documented performance improvement plan that has not been met is one of the most useful things you can have yeah. in the conversation to come.
0: Great, okay. which is a really great segue to number two. So we talked about not addressing issues early uh, as being a mistake. Another one, uh, number two, is not being clear. And so I think as I've... Uh, just kind of informally polled uh, leaders that i know Hey, if you made one mistake what was it? it it is this one right here that i thought i was being clear i thought that i would let this person know there's a gap in your performance or we need something else from you that you're not giving us and I thought I was clear, and they didn't understand, and they were surprised um, over and over again. I would say that's probably the number one mistake I've heard leaders uh, talk about. I in, second, in, that. In, yeah. yeah, in this one. So uh, some ways around that, and I love love your thoughts, guys. I mean, one, I think uh, know that when you tell someone they're underperforming or there is a gap in their performance or there's some things that need to be changed, a lot of times that puts them back on their heels, and so now they're the whole fight or flight has kicked in, and even though you you could have been incredibly clear, they. They don't have the capacity to take it in, remember it. Uh, what you said. So a, a great best practice is to follow up with an email. I, just just as a reminder, this is everything um, that I said here. In the in the pip, uh, it would be to document everything and have them sign it so that everyone uh, is aligned. Um, you know, having them repeat back uh, to you. So hey, if you you know could just do me a favor, could you repeat back to me uh, what you heard? Because uh, as you guys said, we don't want this to feel like a surprise. It needs to be there was clarity all along the way, and you need to know as a leader, it's going to be much clearer in your mind than it is in theirs, and you're going to have to kind of take the extra step. You're going to have to go the extra mile to make sure it's clear, or this, this will be the thing that will cause the most frustration uh, in this whole process.
2: Yep, that's right. And, you know, sometimes what we've seen in this area of clarity is giving somebody a performance review that doesn't reflect reality, and we've had that come back in certain conversations where, hey, you told me a couple of months ago that I was meeting yes. all your expectations oh, well, you know, we were doing that to encourage them in that even though these performance issues were there. And so you have to be clear, it's not unkind to give somebody a bad performance review even though it might feel that way.
0: Yes, right. So you won't, won't be giving Attaboys uh, just to encourage them. Like you have to square with them. Yes, and uh, it is it, it. goes really, really well when you can go back to you know not that we keep files, but we do have performance reviews, and you can go back and say, no, this has been an issue here. It was well documented, so there there really shouldn't be a surprise. You may not have heard, and that's okay. We can talk and work through that. But we feel like we've been as clear as possible. That will always uh, go well. Be clear. It's actually loving uh, to be truthful. Sometimes as Christians, it's hard for us to uh, get our minds around. Okay,
1: so yeah. but John. Yeah on this because guys, the reason this is so great to do a church leaders podcast is they don't teach you this in seminary. Like in that book that says things I never learned in seminary, this is like near the top of the Absolutely. Okay. So that's why we're doing it because it's fine. I mean, I hope you did learn sound doctrine and, um, you know, good Bible as seminal things, whether you were trained in a formal environment or not, but you need to know this if you're going to be an effective leader. And one of the things I want to make sure that we just double click on here because we have blurred a couple of times uh, what is the primary focus here, which is the performance improvement plan and the review. Mm -hmm. And what I would tell you is you want performance improvement plans should probably happen almost any other time of the year except in the formal yeah. review. That's right. If you surprise them with a, perf, a performance improvement plan on their annual review, you've already missed. You you, you lacked some integrity. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I wouldn't say you never do it, but if that's a consistent recurring pattern in your life, then you're not doing what you should be do, doing all along. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so um, when we talk about that 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 mistake that Luke said that so many folks make mm-hmm. is that sometimes. In The annual review, we just always bring you know flowers and snow cones, and because we think encouraging them is going to be great, and then three months later they're put on a performance improvement plan. And they go, What in the world happened in the yeah. last three months? Whiplash. Whiplash. Right, so so while you don't want to make the annual review process the time you introduce the performance improvement plan, it shouldn't come out of nowhere, and the furthest you should ever be from that review is inside a year, yeah. So make sure. Your reviews, and what you would say is, hey, these are areas to celebrate and these are areas to strengthen, yep. is clear all the way along. One last thing I think we want to let folks know is that every single person that we hire is hired on the team in kind of a 90-day a contingency, right? It's like, hey, we're going to do a 90-day after we hired you. We're going to give you a review yep. 90 days in, mm-hmm. okay? And so you don't want to wait one year from the initial hire. All right, and that's been really, really helpful to us. Now, to my knowledge, there's never been a single person that we got to this thing 90 days, and maybe you could correct me and go, hey, this was a terrible mistake, Yeah. okay? But I can tell you there's numerous examples of 90 days in, we helped redirect right away that kept us from ever having to get to a performance improvement plan. It's a
0: great great best practice, great best practice. Okay, uh, guys,
1: mistake number three is not being consistent. And so,
0: uh, Todd, what's in mind there is giving kind of preferential treatment to those maybe who are close to you or uh, those who have done something for you personally or that you just kind of like and not being consistent all the way across the board, which can so bite a leader uh, down the road. And so thoughts on that. How how do you stay consistent uh, given some of those variables?
1: Yeah. So we're going to introduce maybe the topic of nepotism here, which yeah. uh, I think typically is thought of in terms of just familiar relationships. But I would say it's also true of familiar relationships. Okay. And when we, with most of what, Marks hires are out of our body. And so there's a lot of, we hire a lot of friends, people that we've been running with, doing ministry with for a long time, which by the way, one of the things I, you know, am this kind of gets into the hiring one. And I'm just always like when people go, Hey, well, what about them for a job? I'm like, man, especially if somebody's looking for a job out there, you usually already know the answer, right? I mean, if you know somebody really, really well, don't put them in the hiring process and fire them from a job they never had. Yeah. So just, I'm going to warn you against that. But one of the things, John, to answer your specific point, um, that that I have said to guys numerous times here is, hey, look, man, I I I I see what you see in this individual, but I also know your relationship with them, okay. And if you're not going to be able to manage them the way you manage, you know, a person you're just meeting for the first time, yeah. then that's not a problem with them. That's a problem with you. And uh, I I don't want to. Um, say we can't hire familiar people. I don't even believe we should say we can't hire familial people. Okay, I don't believe in nepotism. What I do believe is that too many cultures aren't honest enough and that they enable bad reviews because of familial relationships. And that's why people put in nepotism laws is because they go, you know what, we're not going to tell Todd the truth that he doesn't manage or let people on his staff manage his son the same way. Mm-hmm. And that would be a problem or his daughter-in-law the same way. And and one one of the things that I would just say about this is if you have a culture where you don't make this mistake, where where everybody goes, "No, it's consistent." all across the board, then you can hire really gifted people. And I say, shame on us. So Watermark's been around now for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. So, John, your four kids right, are getting to be hiring age. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, I'm a little older than you, so some of my kids uh, are of hiring age, or they've married people who are hiring age. And I'm thinking, how crazy would it be if we penalized Watermark and said the people we poured 18 years of our life into that were raised in this culture and environment can't work here because they're related to us or we're close to them because they were in uh, Luke's small group, sixth grade through 12th grade. So we can't hire him because Luke likes that kid. And I would just say, what a tragedy. Now, I will say this. It's better to not hire him if Luke can't manage him and lead them well. And that's why you've got to be consistent. And I do think it's appropriate to say, look, we're all human. And so it's not a best practice for you to be managing in your in-specific area of report, a relative. Okay, But I do think that, and and by the way, there's been a couple of guys that, um, well, one of my children, I think it's wise to let them be unnamed, there were some people on staff that were pursuing them in a job, and I just went to them, I said, hey, stop. They're not at a place right now where you should hire them. Okay. I, I I don't want you to hire him. I don't think you should. It's healthy. Okay. It's healthy. Um, and, and so I don't believe even if it's a, a internship kind of thing right now, that's what's best for them. Okay. Now there's been other people I said, Hey, just so you know, I know that that is my, uh, that person's related to me or is close to me and my best friend in my wedding, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm just telling you, look me in the eye and promise me that you're going to be God's sharpening, pruning tool in their life. And if you can't do that because you're concerned what I will think, then spare yourself and that child or that friend the problem, okay? So you have to be consistent. And my prayer is that you would get help and that you would not disqualify gifted people that you've poured your life into just because you're close to them. But man, if you can't manage them consistently, then you should not let them be on your team. So good. Uh, I had one of my kids...
0: I asked them, what do, you, what do you want to do when you grow up? And they said, I want to work for Todd Wagner. Yeah. I was like, really? Why is that? And they go, I think that'd be really, really fun. <laughs> so there you go, man. You may ha- you may have, you oh, may, God, you may, that you blesses may me. get to give that speech mm-hmm. uh, about nepotism uh, with them, which would be, man, how fun would that be? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think those are the right conversations when you're thinking about uh, those that are close to you, either, uh, you know, either family or familiar. Uh, Todd, what about? What about in this um, someone who has performed really, really well for you? In in a sense, they got you to where you are. Mm. Uh, the roles changed, the expectations changed. Uh, something about you know uh, what we need from them has changed, but they've done such a great job. They've been loyal. They've mm. uh, they've just been great, and uh, and everyone knows on the team they're just not performing at the level that we need. How do you think about that?
1: Uh, I think about it the same way that. Um, the Cowboys need to think about Tony Romo, all right? And, and I, I say that because, I mean, actually, um, I was at a, a banquet that I was at with Tony, and we actually talked about the table. I think the Cowboys got rid of Tony too soon. I think they would have won a Super Bowl had they let him come back when he bounced back from his injury, even though Dak had gone 13 you know, straight games with a win yeah. because he had an amazing team. And if we had a... Tony Rome was still a quarterback, they probably would have won the Super Bowl, but since we don't really care about the Cowboys, who cares? All that to say is, there are certain teams that hold on to guys that were the absolute right hire in that position, who were all pro, maybe one of the best ever at that position, who... Um, In sports, it's usually because of father time winning. Sometimes in organizations, it's because God's, uh, the father has blessed the organization and the job has changed and the requirements needed to succeed in that job have changed. And it's not just because you're no longer relevant because you're now 45 and not 27, right? It's because the job has moved to where you're not the right person in the job. And so one of the things that we say around here all the time is... Um, that change isn't an admission of failure. Change is an acknowledgement that if we don't make a change, it will be a failure. Yeah,
0: it's good. And so it's a good way to think about you, it.
1: you just have to go to people and just say, hey man, listen, we're, we're, we don't want to surprise you, but we don't believe. And by the way, I think, do you know where the number one place I see this not happen in churches usually? It's not in Luke's job, it's in my job. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's, it's the guy who started an organization who... Uh, Was the right guy, maybe he had um, a gift of woo, right? Or maybe he had speaking gifts, okay? Um, Or maybe he just had organizational gifts, but then his speaking gifts don't keep up. Or he had speaking gifts and his organizational gifts don't keep up as God blessed it and the church grew. I think sometimes we think, well, it's his organization, what are we going to do? And it's not. It's That's Jesus's good. organization. It's good, and if you love Jesus's organization, you are going to continue to help everybody, including your senior leader. And I, I can, I just had flashes of this being played back to me in three years when they come to me and say, "Todd, listen. <laughs> remember that thing you said?" Yeah. <laughs> so here it comes. So start, mark the time, and use it. But, <laughs> but, I, but I would just say that I think that that y- there's no org- there's no person in an organization that is exempt from this, and and because if we really love Jesus, we're going to want there to be um, a sense that you're the right guy at the right time in the right job. And and I will tell you that it's hardest to have that job that conversation with very public people or yeah. or founders, but it's it's true that you can go to people and just say, hey, I love you. You were the right guy when we were at church doing this in this way. And you have to be really, really, you have to be careful when you do this. You have to honor those people. And you can't just go, hey, it's your two-week notice. That's crazy. This guy built the organization, and so you want to be exceedingly Uh, generous in that transition and get way in front of it, which is exactly what we're talking about. What Luke said at the very beginning, it isn't just in a performance improvement plan, like the problem is you're not improving. It might be an honest conversation plan where we're saying, guys, we see, we think this is happening and we love you enough to tell you, we're not sure if your leadership gifts match the leadership challenges that we're currently facing. It's not sin. It's not character. It's not uh, a desire to not be competent. It's what It gets back to what Luke said at the very beginning. It's giftedness. Mm-hmm. And you wanna get way out in front of that. And I agree that um, sometimes it's, we, we most often fail uh, because we're like, gosh, how can we do this? Because, man, they were here when we were nothing, and now that we've grown, yeah. we're, they're not gonna yeah. get to enjoy it.
0: Yeah, they're, those seem to be the hardest. And yet, uh, as a leader, it's your job. And, um, and but no, going in, uh, those are tough. And then I, th- I do think, uh, Todd, just honoring them and being generous uh, is a great way to handle that, which really is kind of our next uh, mistake, uh, Luke, that I, I think a lot of times um, when people are, are let go, um, the church is not generous uh, on the way out. So what like, what does that even mean? What would it look like to be generous and charitable uh, as a church um, who's not... You know, most churches don't have stacks and stacks of money uh, in the closet. So, what, what does that what does that look like?
2: Yeah, you know, I think to the degree that the situation merits it, and you have the resources to do it, you want to be as generous as you can and give folks a long runway of support after you've made that decision to move them off staff. But you can only be generous with what you have, not with what you don't have. So you think about time or treasure, right? Those are the two things that we talk about are financial generosity and then uh, time flexibility. You know, So uh, in terms of the finances, you know, we might provide somebody a certain number of months worth of compensation or keep them on payroll and benefits for a certain period of time. Um, or while they're still on the books and still winding down job responsibilities, We've told many people, hey, you have as much time as you need to go find a new job. Hmm. You know, we're not going to be looking over your shoulder during the workday, wondering what you're up to. Hey, communicate well with us. But, yes, please feel the freedom to take watermark time to go find a non-watermark job. Uh, you know, in practical terms, a couple of transitions that come to mind, we've given people up to a three-month runway. Uh, sometimes it's much shorter. Um and sometimes we've done it where, hey, we're going to keep paying you the shorter of, hey, one, two, or three months, or until you find a new full-time yeah, job. Yeah. So we just want to make sure you yeah, land. Yeah. And, it and
1: the language the we typically use when we say that, Luke, is, hey, your job is to find a job. Yeah. Right. And there's no moral failure here. There's no gross uh, rebellion. There's no there's no termination for cause. This is that giftedness conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, in those kind of situations, we're just saying, listen, after you work through the appropriate, you know, performance improvement plan, you get to that spot, we just go, hey. You know, um we think this is a gift in this issue. Yep. And so we we love you and we've seen you work hard to be diligent to address these things in every way that you can, but it's just a it's a gift in this issue. Yep. And so your job is to find a job and as long as you're doing that, and so hey, here's what we're gonna, how we're gonna evaluate your next one month, two months, three months. Yep. Give us weekly updates. Uh, tell us how we can help you, and let's make some transitions so you're not leaving in a lurch. Because it's it what's it the little um, you know pithy statement. It's always easier to find a job when you have a job. Yep. Right. And so we we see that as part of our way to care for our staff that has worked so hard to be faithful on our team. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, we're not going to put anybody on the street, but that doesn't mean we're not going to fire them. You know, so if for some reason somebody was making all the right moves, being faithful, and trying to find a new job, working on the areas of deficiency, and it just wasn't happening, you know, that would change from a severance conversation to a benevolence conversation. Yeah. You know, okay. we'd still help make sure their
1: essential needs are met, just and, not through uh, our payroll. And yeah. Luke, I'm just listening to you, and I, I think you know, um, I, the, the, let's just be honest, right? The word is fired, okay? But I want you guys to think about this. The word is love. And what I and, and I, I mean this because at the end of the day, someone's go, what well, doesn't feel like love? He fired me, right? And I think when we all think of fire, we think of Donald Trump, right? Like you're fired, and The Apprentice, <laughs> and, and like it was some you know show that was um, a spectacle, and 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 some tyrant made a, a rash decision. Yeah. But I want to tell you, our job is stewardship, right? And I I believe, and we tell people this. We go, listen, you were designed by God to be faithfully deployed. Uh, as part of his manifold glory. It's 1 Peter 4.10, right? As each of you is given a, a gift, be good stewards in stewarding it in serving one of those as, uh, as what manifold gifts of God, like the multiple expressions of God's glory. And when somebody's in a job where they are not flourishing and the people underneath the stewardship of their job aren't flourishing... Mm-hmm. It's bad stewardship. Yep, yep. And so that's why you... So, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you're right. Some you well, you're firing me. And, and you're right. That might be the technical right term, but we don't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to your point, though, Luke, that's why you said, hey, we're, st- we're going to make the transition and you can call it what you want. And John, this is going to get to a point you're going to do a great job of later where, where how people respond mm-hmm. typically to this, even when you are, quote unquote, loving them. Mm-hmm. But as a leader, have integrity and know that what you're doing is loving and that God's got their best interest in mind and being on a church staff or working for a certain company is not part of God's best interest. God's best interest is they are valued, celebrated, and deployed to His glory. And that's if good. that's not happening where they are, it's your job to get them into that role. It's good. So Luke, those are
0: uh, those conversations that you just talked about. There, oftentimes, are kind of a giftedness, or you know, the roles change. Those kind of things. What mm-hmm. about you know um, something that is kind of a, a serious breach of kind of integrity uh there's a moral failure those kind of things how do you think about being generous uh fair during those times yeah i will say that
2: the situation does matter and does affect the runway you know if you're in an extreme case of unrepentant rebellion you know that could be a situation where they're off the payroll immediately mm-hmm. and it would almost be a breach of trust for the church to continue funding their choices uh you know and seniority and tenure also make a difference you know, we've talked about the faithful leader who got us here, but maybe can't get us there. Uh, we're going to treat an admin who's been here six months while we still value them. We're going to treat them differently in the exit process than a director who's been here for a decade. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's really good. Okay. Uh, so the last mistake um, I think uh, we see leaders make sometimes is thinking that they won't be maligned. And so I want you to think about any, any friend that you've ever run into that uh, was fired from a job and the conversation never goes like this. You know what? They told me these things. I didn't really uh, listen to them. And so really, you know, they did what they should have done. They fired me and they made the absolute right leadership call and I'm grateful for it. Like that conversation never goes that way. Now, when we let people go, we think somehow because we're such gifted leaders and we're so uh, winsome and kind and beloved that people uh, will think about us differently. They'll talk about us differently, (laughs) but but oftentimes they don't. And I just want leaders to be ready. When you do this, you're probably going to be maligned. So. Todd, any
1: <laughs> any yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, so uh, I think you're right. Um, you should brace yourself uh, for hurt people, right? So the old statement, hurt people, hurt people. And I do think that that is true. But I, I, I think what you want to do is, it's one thing for people to say, I just completely disagree with their opinion, and, and there's petty reasons for it. Um, that's easier to live with if you can say, hey, but haven't we addressed this early? And haven't we been clear? Haven't we involved others, so you don't think it's a personality? Aren't we consistent across our staff to always do this? We haven't prolonged the decision in a way that is torturous, and aren't we being generous on the way out? So I say all that is a form of review and just saying it's one thing for them to say, I disagree with their decision. I think they make bad decisions. But... You don't want them to be able to say, hey, man, you're, you're, you're leaving me on the street, or this completely catches me you know, in the dark at this point. And that's why, especially in an environment like ours, you want to make sure that you've involved others yeah. and the church family. So, But yeah, even when you do everything right, and I'm telling you, it's going to bless you if you look at the show notes and look at these lists and listen back to this podcast. But even when you do everything right, it's still is going to possibly... Be really, really hard. Yeah. But just, John, I think you're right. I mean, we always say around here is, man, as, was I as faithful as I could be, as prayerful as I ought to be? And so if the answer is yes, then it's time to go to bed, wake up, and do my best tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Your your, your quote, which I use all the time leadership is a commitment to being misunderstood. Yeah, it is. And you can go to bed and go, I, I really, I did all these things. I may be blind. Uh, I'm going to sleep really, really well. So, and, okay. and
1: don't be afraid to own your mistakes, yeah. right? Sure. So, what you have great, to make sure great point. you don't do great point. is to um, you you know, I I think if you didn't do those other five things that lead to number six, right, uh, then you should seek for forgiveness and own that, and that might mean you're going to prolong the grace a little bit longer because you're taking some responsibility. But to your point, John, even when you quote unquote do everything right, and none of us do everything right, but we you know anybody on an objective fair review board would go, guys, they could not telegraph this anymore and been generous to you. You still might get a little yeah. bit of a slap in the face. Yeah. Okay, bonus question. So, Luke, you've actually... In grad school, had
0: a class that dealt with this issue. Correct?
2: Yeah. When I was in the MBA program, uh, one of the classes was you know HR and organizational management, and we did a mock firing exercise. Yeah, and
0: you you actually garnered a nickname. What what was it? during uh, well, that Well, I process? had the dubious honor of getting
2: the highest grade in the class on the firing exercise, <laughs> and the guy called me the Terminator. Uh, and so it was local HR professionals who would come in and model a scenario where you, as the HR professional, would then have to deliver the news of somebody being fired. Uh, I love it. Okay. And on the tail end of this, he just said, "Man, you could do this for a job. You did that really
0: well." <laughs> okay, we're gonna put that. That's the first time I've heard that, isn't that story. Isn't yeah. that great? We're gonna put that to test. Okay, Arnold. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I have uh, you've, you've you've run the process, and yep. uh, I'm. It's time to let me go. So, uh, role play this out for our listeners. Like uh, what what goes through your head? Uh, talk to me about the process, and even Luke, if you would, even the specific things that you would say when you're in the room. Well, first of all, I'd say you are not going to be back. I forgot I'm that Sally. I totally forgot that was Get your done that here. was your deal. You that were not strong enough. So serendipitous. Okay, um, uh, no.
2: But in all seriousness, uh, here's what I would say: some practical tips. Having been in the room on a number of occasions, delivering the news. Here's what I would say: uh, number one, don't go alone. Right. So I would not have a firing conversation or a transition conversation with just me and that other person. It is always good to have the testimony of another person there, uh, another set of eyes and ears. So don't go alone. And number two, I would say get to the point. You know, don't bury the lead in small talk. The tendency, especially if you've never done this before, is going to be to feel the awkwardness and to try to float around the edges of the awkwardness as opposed to just starting with, hey, here's why we're having this conversation. There's going to be an awkward point that you just have to push through. Uh, You know, the third thing is to say it straight. So you say, hey, what's the specific words? I'd probably say something like, we've made a decision to transition you out of your role and off of staff.
0: Okay, can you say that again? We've
2: made a decision to transition you out of your role and off of staff. And that makes it clear that something is changing. It's not just another landing place on staff. It's actually off of the payroll. Um, and
0: it's a decision. We we have decided. Yes. This is not what we're thinking. This is not up for debate. We yes. have now we've now crossed the line, and we have decided. And,
1: and, in- and right, Luke. And guys, as we told you, here was the parameters. Here were the pr- improvement plans. Here's what didn't happen. Here's what we said would happen. We've made a decision. It's time for this to happen. Yep. This is the period
2: on the end of a long sentence. There you go. You know, you want to be able to say, hey, like we already talked about. Yeah. uh, And you don't want to hide the message in Christianese. You know, there was a a YouTube video from a Christian comedian that talked about 20 (laughs) different church euphemisms for (laughs) firing somebody. You know, we're being led in another direction. You know, we want, we think you're being called back into the marketplace away from (laughs) ministry. You know what? You just need to say, hey, we've decided something. Yeah. Um, clarity is kindness. Clarity is kindness. Uh, so I would say, number four, have a plan and don't get stuck. So this is where you want to have your talking points in order. It's not the time to debate all the details of why somebody's being fired or to reconsider the decision in the face of an impassioned plea. Uh, you know, point to the clear path, Path, Todd, like you said, laid out in the performance improvement plan. Uh, be kind. Number five, be kind, but don't overempathize. You know, the person that someone is going to be looking for comfort from is not the one delivering that news. Uh, so there is an element of being appropriately dispassionate and objective. Certainly not cruel, but um, but not uh, going in for the hug right this off is, the bat.
1: Luke, this is gold. I mean, that's, that's why uh, he was
2: first in the class. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, no, I appreciate that. Hey, number six. You know, I would say anticipate and answer the big questions. So it's going to take some time to absorb the news, to process it. But there's going to be some big questions right off the bat. Okay, how long am I getting paid? What's happening with my family's health benefits? Am I supposed to come into the office tomorrow? Is my key fob still going to work? Get ahead of some of those big ones, uh, but then also let them know that you're going to be available after they've had a chance to absorb and process the news uh, to then answer any of the specific questions. And then I would say a final bonus point is just consider the right timing for this conversation. Um, you know, there's a lot of conflicting opinions out there online of, hey, should you do this on a Monday at 10 a.m. or a Friday
1: at 3? You know, just say... Or December 13th or 13th yeah. January 2nd. Yeah. And
2: so just treat the person with dignity and respect. Apply that filter of what do I think would serve them best, but ultimately have the conversation when it needs to happen. Don't get hung up on a particular day or particular time.
0: So helpful. Uh, If this ministry thing didn't work out, you've got a bright future in the dark world of firing people. So thank you uh, for that. Todd, I'm going to give you the last word, but the one thing we didn't mention is that I think you make this a matter of prayer. So as, as this is coming up, you know, you talked about having these discussions uh, you know, with our different leadership teams, broadening the circle, um, pray. And I've seen over and over again, you guys, you know, you, you've got names that will come to mind where we begin to pray and rather than us having to fire someone or let them go, doors begin to open and it's, it's as if, you know, uh, something happens that we in our wildest imagination couldn't have scripted, that we couldn't have, we weren't audacious enough to ask God for for this person. And it just happens uh, because you pray. And so don't forget that. Uh, that's our, again, one of our competitive advantages is that God is on our side. He cares for the people that you care about. Uh, and just pray that God would be gracious and kind and help them use their gifts in a way that uh, is going to give them joy and God a lot of glory. And we've seen it over and over and over again. Don't, uh, don't forget. Uh, to do so. So, Tom, last words.
1: I I mean, John, I think I've got permission to tell this story because um, I've shared it with this individual and they agreed with me. We've had a scenario that didn't happen in our too far distant past where I know individuals responsible for somebody on our team was doing exactly just that. I mean, they were grieved because they love their fellow coworker, that they felt like there was an appropriate need to put in place a a performance improvement plan. And then maybe it could just uh, be the job had changed so much that they might have known almost that this maybe wasn't going to work. And they just started praying. And I will tell you that God loves his people. And this is why I, I... said the little thing I said earlier about you don't need to think of this as firing, right? Because you're trying to act in love and faithful are the wounds of a friend. God made that person. But we're not talking about moral failure, or character issues that that violate the right for them to serve in an organization like ours in a faith community. When we're just talking about who they are and, and they want to do well, but the job they're not able to do well in that job. God loves that person and wants them to be celebrated and wants them to be in a spot where the shoe fits right? And where the the piece of the puzzle fits and it makes the picture beautiful. And so if they're misplaced, move them towards that next thing of love. I also try and tell people... So Let me just close that story. So I had a situation where there's a member of our staff. I got calls from somebody who has a relationship with me who knew there was a member of our staff that I didn't even know was in the middle of a person on our staff praying about whether they were the right fit in their role. And another person called me and said, hey, because we have a relationship, Todd, I'm not going to poach people off your team, but without talking to you. But do you think that this would you be open to us, you know, pursuing that person? And I always answer that question the same way. Hey, they're not ours; they're God's. Yeah. And thank you for calling me and give me a heads up. I sometimes can say, you just need to know we're going to really fight for that person because we love them. But yeah, man, let's go. I mean, I want to. I want. I want them to be where God wants them to be. And sometimes we just go, man. Let me. Can I just have a day or two to pray about that? and then respond, and typically I say that because I want to go to individuals that work more closely with somebody in the team and go, hey, you know, just tell me how, um, how much this would hurt you if this person transitioned off the staff. How much are you are gonna want to fight for this person? Because there might be an opportunity that would be a real blessing to them. And there have been situations uh, where I have done that, and the person looked at me and goes, what? Somebody just called about that? That's amazing. Because I don't know if you knew this, Todd, but either we just had this conversation with somebody or we're about to Monday. Yeah. Right? And I just see God go before people. So to your point, I have seen the Father who loves us and loves his children actually have somebody yeah. already working and where they think that God's like man, how can I not be in this team anymore because I love Watermark, I love being on the staff, but God's already ahead of Providing for them when they're about to maybe hear some things that they don't want to hear, and so I couldn't agree more. Pray, and then sometimes it's not like that, but just why not give God a chance? Yeah.
0: Okay. Don't forget your theology through this uh, through this whole process. Um, This also uh, one more thing to insert. This also works for volunteers. Uh, The old adage: you can't, you know, fire a volunteer. Yes, you. Can and if they're uh, a drag, they're not performing well. Um, Now it's your job as uh, as a leader to help them find a place where they can use their gifts. But absolutely, uh, for the what's best, we talked about the team, the family. You may have to remove some
1: people. It's a hard conversation. You need to have that. So, Todd, any last words before we go? The only thing I think I would have added to your amazing list, Luke, is I think it's also helpful to say to somebody, "Hey, let's agree in the language we're going to use." Mm. OK, because as this becomes a more public decision, that's good. That's good. is um, I, I don't need to necessarily tell the world anything that isn't true, but I also don't want to manage information. OK, and so, you know, if you're going to go out and tell people you fired him, I don't want to say he found another job because that's an integrity issue then with me and the rest of the staff. And it creates insecurity there. OK, and so um, when there is a transition, you don't uh, w- you know, we have a we have a philosophy in our teams that what we don't want to do is create curiosity that's going to cause gossip and um, whispering. So we always believe that giving more information than less is the right thing, but you don't want to surprise the person what you're going to say. And I think it's appropriate to ask that person, hey, don't surprise us with what you're going to say. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to be disparaging to me, that's, that's your freedom to do that. But <laughs> is there something I can do so you wouldn't feel a need to do that? But if you're going to do it, then let's just know that going out of here and figure out how God would have us... Um, love one another going forward. Okay. So I just think it's really helpful to say, hey, how are we both going to talk about this without managing massaging or being disinformation in a way, in any way that would be dishonest? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and last thing I would say, I always like to tell people this I go, you know, Proverbs 21, 1 is is such a great proverb it says the hearts of kings like channels of water in the hands of the lord he directs them wherever he pleases and so i i've told people this when they've come to me and said man i don't i can't believe that they feel this way about me in this job i just want to say well let me ask you a question all right let's just say that there's a godless king over you or a christian who's acting like a godless king who is just getting this wrong all right let's just assume you're 100% right this is unfair it's a poor perspective, and you're under leadership that it so frustrates you it's going to cost you your job. Is Proverbs 21, 1 true? Right? Mm-hmm. Cannot God change the mind yeah. of your master? And so what I want you to do is if you cannot trust the immediate sovereign over you, can you trust your sovereign God, and can you find peace in that? And can you not create a heart of bitterness, but pray? Let's just say your boss is wicked, and he's your enemy pray for your enemies. You're commanded by scripture to pray for them and to love them and not wish harm on them. And just know this, do you know that God's got your best interest in mind and even what they intend for evil, God will use for good. Mm-hmm. So that's advice I think you can give to somebody who comes to you who's hurt and frustrated yep. by a decision like this. It's not, you know, um, one that maybe you as the person, like you said, Luke, doing the firing, who wants to do that? Because I thought that was a brilliant point where you said your job is to be clear and kind, but your job is not to play the role of right there the comforter, Mm -hmm. right? Others will do that. And that last little bit that I said, I think is one of the ways I try and comfort people. Um, Maybe they've been on my team and somebody else, uh, not my team directly, but on our staff. And they've come to me and they said, what is up with this? I'm just saying, God is good. He loves you. Even if you're going to live under the illusion or the right perspective that the current boss over you doesn't, Mm -hmm. which I would beg you to maybe consider that that's not the case. But if you're going to fall there, you know that God still loves you. And so um, just go out and be faithful with him and he'll take care of you. Love it. Todd, thank you so much. Luke, you
0: served our listeners really, really well today, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah. It was thank you. great. I think this is the first time I've ever
1: clapped at the end of a podcast. And so Stand Luke Friesen, well done. More Luke Friesen, please. And John, I'm going to say guys. it again. This is the best podcast I, I, I listen to. I'm telling you, you the, your preparation. The, the podcast you listen to. It is. Yeah. No, it's not the podcast <laughs> I listen to. I, every now and then I, I do drop in on others. But I'm going to tell you something. I am so grateful for this ministry to the Big C Church. And we'd love your feedback. Yes. If there's things we're not covering or things we, you think we, we missed and could cover better, let us know. But well done, my friend. Awesome.
0: Hey, thanks for listening. And if you have any questions or comments on today's episode, feel free to contact us by email at clp@watermark.org. at watermark.org. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again next time.